Have you signed up for Unfound's other podcast, Unfound Live, yet? Thank you. James Lubin Valdez, Jamie to those who knew him best, was a 47-year-old from Boonville, Arkansas. He was a father who had recently gotten married. On June 9th, 2021, Jamie got into an argument with his wife. This continued when he showed up at her work. Jamie then went home, threw some clothes into his car, and took off. Jamie's car was later found near where he grew up. He was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. All of us, myself included, are really just one moment away from a crisis. That doesn't necessarily mean death and destruction. It could be a car not starting, losing a job, you finding out that expensive dental work is ahead. I certainly know all about that. For disappearances, this is certainly true. How many have we covered? Where the person was just living his or her life? No problem, then poof, the person was gone. Some examples, Clashindra Hall, Keith Fetter, Jesse Ross, Steve Davis, and most recently, Paris Hobson. All different demographics, locations, ages, genders, races, but they and many others disappeared seemingly within the time it takes to snap your fingers despite none of them giving even one sign that they were about to go missing. Well, with Jamie Valdez, everything seemed right in his life. Married, good job, he had successfully fought his addictions. Then he was gone. Did he somehow cross a fine line? And now a summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend Megan Linez's website, charlieproject.org. Jamie Valdez was a life-of-the-party type of guy. With his outgoing personality, he was liked by everyone. And Jamie was a butcher. Who doesn't like the local butcher? Except for the vegetarians, right? He had a daughter who was close to Jamie despite the struggles he had. Speaking of those struggles, there were quite a few. Jamie fought diabetes most of his life, mainly from being overweight. In addition, Jamie fought a meth addiction that he allegedly had under control at the time of his disappearance. So, on June 9th, 2021, Jamie and his new wife got into an argument. She was picking up an extra shift at work, but Jamie wanted to spend the day with her. Later that day, Jamie went to his wife's workplace where their disagreement continued. Jamie then went home and, according to witnesses, threw a bunch of clothes in his car and left. Jamie did not say where he was going. He was never seen again. Several days later, a person connected to Jamie's wife 
happened upon his car very close to where Jamie grew up. Some of its electronics had been ripped out, and searchers found a few paper items with Jamie's name on them not far away. A larger search of the area revealed no more clues. How can something so good go so bad so quickly? This is a question that has been asked by families and police involved in disappearances long before Unfound ever existed. But I'd like to think with the work we do on this podcast that myself and all of you are starting to get closer to the answers. Contemplate that as you try to answer these three questions during the interview. Number one, does Jamie showing up at his wife's work show that he might not have had a firm grip on reality at that point? Number two, if Jamie was having a diabetic attack or maybe he had gone back to his meth addiction, how was he mentally aware enough to drive to where he grew up? And number three, should we consider foul play for Jamie's disappearance given his wife's brother's criminal history and a person who the wife knew just happened to locate Jamie's car. Jamie's family is not set on any particular theory regarding his disappearance, although they have heard rumors that point to foul play. The guest for this episode is Jamie's sister, Sean Claiborne. Unfound News Please send out your deepest sympathies to my assistant, Cherie, who lost her mother due to a tragic accident last Friday. Next, another show with Dr. Telesco occurred yesterday. I hope you watched it. If not, please go to the Fischler College of Education and School of Criminal Justice channel on YouTube to see what the good doctor and I discussed. Finally, a listener alerted me to the fact that Unfound made a best-of list this year, Best Missing Persons Mystery Podcast, at LifeWire.com. The writer stated, Be ready for some heavy content. You're darn right. Where you can find Unfound. On these following podcast platforms. Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and many others, especially outside the United States. The new podcast, Unfound Live, which comes out on Tuesdays, can also be found on these platforms. Social media sites, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newest one, TikTok. Listener support sites, Patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast, PayPal.me forward slash unfound podcast. The website, theunfoundpodcast.com. The email address, unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. And please mention unfound at all true crime websites and forums. Thank you. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound, the sister of Jamie Valdez, Sean Claiborne. Sean, welcome to Unfound. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. I should ask, uh, maybe we just need to start this off. 
Uh, your first name is Sean. Uh, of course, yes. we normally associate that with, with a guy's name. I, I got to ask before we get started, how did you get the name Sean? Um, well, my mother, when she was pregnant, actually knew a boy, Sean, and she just knew I was a boy. So when I was born and was a girl, she decided to keep the name. So every time I go to the doctor's office and they call me and I stand up, they're very confused. Okay. She couldn't even like do a little bit of a compromise, like a Shauna, not even a Shauna. Right. But yeah, I, I actually like the name Sean after, you know, because it's, yeah. it is unusual. Yeah. And uh, I'm thinking there was an actress, Sean Young, but she spelled her name differently. She was in that movie, No Way Out and some other movies uh, with Kevin Costner, but her name okay. was S-E-A-N. So I guess it's oh, not. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. And normally I would think S-E-A-N is a boy's name. <laughs> yeah. Well, she, she, that's her name. So. Okay, so you're you're not alone out there, Sean. You're not alone. Thank you. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right, let's talk about um, your family. Um, of course, you are Jamie's sister. Uh, how many children? Just give an idea of the uh, Valdez slash uh, Claiborne um, home growing up. Okay, so there was five of us kids. I'm the oldest. And then there's my sister, Kim, who is two years younger than me. My sister, Nikki, who's three years younger than me. Uh, Jamie is five years younger than me. And Daniel is seven years younger than me. Wow. You got it was a house full. <laughs> you got a, quite a brood there. Wow. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> all right. All uh, I have to ask, all same fathers and, and, and mothers or, or some half sisters? No, uh, I have a different dad than the others. Uh, so the others are all actually Valdez. I was Todd. Um, so, mm -hmm. but you know, growing up that didn't matter, not yeah. even a bit because I mean, we were, our, our mom, well, she was pretty much, she was married up until I was nine and then she divorced. And so it was for, you know, a long period of time, it was just us with mom. And then she did end up, you know, getting married a couple of times while we were still in the house. But okay. um, yeah, we're we're all pretty close. Okay, you're all okay, all pretty close. Uh, despite the, uh, of course, some age differences and there mm -hmm. being so many of you. Yeah, I think, you know, mom always wanted boys <laughs> until mm -hmm. she had the boys. I and can then tell. she would say, I should have stopped with the girls, but <laughs> she... <laughs> Uh -huh. Um, she just, uh, because she always wanted boys. She kept trying until she had boys, you know, uh -huh. her, her two boys that she wanted, but right. yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. And, uh, what was it like being, I guess you were one of the older siblings. So, uh, how, what was that like? Um, there was a lot of responsibility because she had to work, uh, at least, at least one job if not two or three jobs to make ends meet. And so after school, uh, she would set us up like a, a chart for doing chores and we would have specific days we had to do specific chores and we'd get in trouble <laughs> if we didn't yeah. do those chores. Um, I was responsible for cooking dinner most of the time. Um, mm -hmm. So, and, and you know, taking care of the kids and making sure they stayed safe and alive. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, that started from a pretty early age. So, um, 
you know, as, as their oldest sibling, it's, you know, the other one, I don't like that person in charge, but, you know, I had to do what mom told me to do. Sure. And then on the other hand, you know, it lended itself to uh, us being alone a lot. And so we uh, bonded quite yeah. well, you know, when we weren't fighting. Okay, very good. And when you had to cook dinner, what was your specialty? Um, probably at that time it was spaghetti after I realized you were supposed to boil the water before you put the noodles in yeah. and then, uh, oh, well, and fried chicken. Everybody loved my fried chicken. Oh yeah, there I go. I could, I could sign up for either of those. Okay. Very good. All right. And I guess what you're saying is you had to grow up fairly quickly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Let's move on now to talking about uh, Jamie in particular. And I, I told you we we're going to talk about this before we started this interview. Can you explain his middle name, Lubin? L-U-B-I-N. I don't think I've ever seen that before. What can you say? Yes. His dad's middle name was actually Lubin. And I believe it was a family name that was passed down. Um, his dad was actually born, I, well, his dad's family was actually born in Mexico. And so it was just a family name that was passed down. And I believe there's several in that family that have either Lubin as a first name or a middle name. Hmm. But yeah, I have never heard of it since then. So it is unusual. Okay. I, I would not normally think of Lubin as being like a Mexican or Hispanic or Spanish uh, name, but I guess it is. I, I think that their family is originally have maybe some Spaniard uh, um, genetic background. Okay. Um, I'm not really sure on that, but my sister, Nikki, she, she, she's a genealogist expert. Uh, she would yeah. know all of that. <laughs> yeah. Every family has one, right? Yes. And she's great at it. Okay. All right. So that's his middle name, Jamie uh, Lubin Valdez. Let's talk about him. Um, of course you were his older sister. You were cooking for him and all of that. What can you say about his personality, his interests? What can you say about your brother? Growing up, maybe um, in the teen years and onward. Okay. He, well, he's always been like, I would call it gregarious, walks in the room, uh, lights it up. Everybody pretty much loved him. And I'm going to say pretty much just because. Yeah. Uh, nobody's. Perfect. I know there's always a couple who don't. Sure. But um People would gravitate towards him because he was so happy and loved to joke. Um, you know, growing up, he was a little bit of a prankster, not real bad, but, you know, he enjoyed having fun. Um, he and Daniel, the littlest brother, they hung out a lot. They had lots of fun, you know, just, you know, back then you could roam around town by walking and they did a lot of that, even as youngsters. And uh, my sisters and I, we would go out and we'd play football with them. Um, mm -hmm. I wouldn't last probably as long as the others because I'd break a nail. <laughs> but, okay. Uh, God forbid. So, you know, we, we would do stuff like that or play cards. And mm -hmm. um, he was very loving. And I would say he was probably a peacemaker. Like he didn't, if any of the rest of us were squabbling, yeah. You know, he would just very nonchalantly say, oh, you know, that doesn't matter. And, you know, or get in between us if we're going at it a little too hard. And 
just he he wanted peace in his life yeah so you know that's that's Jamie in a nutshell just very loving and kind um he would give you the shirt off of his back and you know I have had so many people reach out to me in the last year and a half just talking about how you know if Jamie would be down on his luck they would let him come into their house and he would help out by cooking, cleaning, taking care of the kids, um, just fiddling, you know, helping with their cars when they broke down, kind of a jack of all trades kind of guy. Yeah. And so they, um, they reached out to me and they told me, you know, we trusted Jamie with our lives. You know, we, we didn't have any problems with letting him stay here. He was very trustworthy. Um, he never stole from us, never did, you know, never messed everything up. You know, he was just helpful. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was very um, heartwarming to yeah. hear. I mean, and to have all these people come and tell me about him. It was it was pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, how about uh, schooling? Uh, did well in school? Did he play sports? Uh, what kind of activities? What did he do in that realm of his life? Well, he had dyslexia, so school wasn't really his best friend. <laughs> okay. But he he enjoyed the social aspect of it, but um, when it came to like homework and stuff like that, I think he would keep a lot of his homework to do until he got home, and he would ask for help. Um, and so me and both the brothers, we would sit down at the table and we'd go over spelling words or. Um, especially anything with English, like, you know, writing and stuff yeah. like that. They would Very ask difficult. me for help. Sure. I wasn't particularly strong, like in math. And so, I mean, I could help them with adding and subtracting, but you get into the long division. I'm like, I don't want to do that. So um, school, you know, he, he did okay. He dropped out kind of early. Uh, oh, he dropped out. Okay. Yeah. So okay. I, I'm not sure. I, think he got his GED um, later, um, but I'm not 100% positive on okay. that. Um, All right. Yeah, he, he liked school okay. You know? mm-hmm. Okay. What about work? Uh, if he did drop out, um, did he get a job? What was, what was he doing in his late teens into his 20s for work? He was, he was a hard worker, and he always had at least one job, usually two. Um, pretty much the whole time I've known him, you know, even if he did have just one technical job, he would uh, do work on the side doing lawn work, but he would do stuff like uh, work as a cook in a convenience store where he would, you know, make whatever food they have or in a cafe, he would work as a cook or uh, as a butcher. That was, probably his love I, he could tell you about every cut of meat wow. there ever was in the history of meat and tell you which cuts were the best yeah i love it and i love even, i love meat i love it oh yeah yeah i was like what kind of steak should i buy and he's the one who told me how, about how good ribeyes were yeah. i was always buying the sirloin because they were cheap and he's yeah. like oh no no get the ribeye you'll, yes. you'll thank me later and yeah thank you yeah. Chase. <laughs> they're awesome yes 
Okay. Yeah. And, and he loved working. And his um, coworkers, they've come to me and they've been all like, if I knew Jamie was working a shift with me, I was excited to work yeah. that shift because I knew it was going to go by fast. And uh, because Jamie joked the whole time during shift and he would just make the day pass by faster. And Jamie always pulled his share of the weight of the work plus more. You know, if you saw somebody else in need or whatever, he helped them too. So, I mean, that's just, that's who Jamie yeah. was. Okay. And uh, maybe getting up closer to the time of his disappearance, what kind of work was he doing? He was actually a butcher at CV's in Boonville, Arkansas at the time of his disappearance. Okay. All right. Thank you. What about uh, children? We'll get into the one particular relationship that he was having. Of course, he was married when he went missing, but any children? He does have one daughter who is now, she turned 16 um, back in September. Wow. Okay. So he had kind of a, guess what we might call, we have to remember this is a very recent disappearance. So he had kind of an older daughter. Yes. Middle, middle yes. teen years. Okay. Yes. So just it's, uh, it's been one really daughter. On her. Okay. Yes. All right. So we had a uh, hard worker, great personality, funny guy. He's the father of, um, one daughter and um you know how often would did the daughter live with him did she live with her mother did they see each other often what, what was the setup there um her mother is in right now at the time at this time um but when she was first born she lived with both of them they were not married but mm -hmm. uh, she lived with both of them um her mother got into drugs and so uh, hmm. ended up pretty much leaving and Jamie took care of her mostly by himself for, for many years. Oh. Um, and then Jamie and his daughter moved in with her grandmother, which is mother's mother because she had cancer and he helped take care of her while she was sick until she passed. And then at that point, uh, the daughter went and lived with um, the grandmother's sister. And so she's living there right now. And mm. she's always gone to that same school and mm -hmm. loves that school. So, um, okay. So, was he yeah. having some sort and, of relationship? And I, I have to say, please. I'm sorry. Please go ahead. Please. Uh, well, I would just say that. The reason that, well, first the grandmother had, had guardianship of her um, was because that was around the time Jamie started falling into the addiction. Okay. And so the grandmother did get guardianship. And then the, um, the great aunt, she took over the guardianship whenever um, the grandmother passed away. Okay. I, I love how that sun is coming to you. <laughs> that was uh, for everybody seeing that. Uh, that was not planned. That's just uh, the sun goes down. You know, like the sun goes down in the west angel. every day. Yeah, sun goes down in the west every day. That was not planned. Yeah, it looks like uh, I'm like uh, coming down from heaven or something, which is certainly yes. not, certainly not the case. Um, okay, so he did have a relationship with his daughter, even though he did not have custody. Of his daughter. Yes. I mean, even though he didn't have custody, they were in contact and um, he would go by and visit her or take her to eat or, 
you know, texture, call her on the phone. Um, at one point, uh, Jamie had come to stay at my house for a couple of weeks and he was thinking about moving to Texas. <clears throat> so he was down looking for a job. And I tell you, between the two of them, I could not use my phone. <laughs> they were constantly on the phone with each other. It was so cute. Okay. But the phone would ring and I'd be like, it's your daughter. I don't even have to look. <laughs> so you would say that he had a good relationship with his daughter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Did. All right. Definitely. Okay. And she was his world. Like mm -hmm. the sun rose and set with his daughter and you know, he used to call me and, and tell me all of her achievements in school. And, you know, and she, hey, she made 100 on another spelling test. Or, wow. hey, she just got a, a perfect attendance award. Or, hey, she's on the honor roll. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. He was so proud of her. Definitely yeah, proud. I can he, tell. He just loved her to death. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on to uh, some issues that I think everybody's going to ha you probably have to consider when thinking about his disappearance, of course, once we present all the facts, the circumstances, and other things uh, that we know about his disappearance. Let's talk about his physical health. Of course, he was not a young guy. He was not 20. But, um, you know, I've read he did have some physical issues. Uh, might have had diabetes. What, what uh, I realized that maybe you didn't know his intimate details of his physical health, but what you saw, what he talked about, what can you say about his physical health at the time of his disappearance? I do know a few years before his disappearance that he um, had a diabetic episode. I don't think he, he realized how bad his diabetes was at that time. He was a lot more overweight and he was driving down the road and he said he got real shaky and everything started going black. And so he pulled over his truck and called the ambulance to come get him. And I believe they said his... Uh, uh, sugar level was at 400 in the 400s when they took oh him in. So they told him, you know, you're, you're yeah. going to have to get on insulin and, and, you know, if you lose weight, you can get off of the insulin. So he did choose to lose weight and he was able to move over to the, um, the whatever the pills are, diabetic pills. Okay. And so he was just taking the oral medication but I did notice, you know, in some of his pictures, he was gaining the weight back. So I don't know. Um, his wife did say that um, she could tell when his sugars would get off because he would get irritable and uh, just kind of cranky and um, not very nice. And so she was trying to urge him to go get his sugar levels checked professionally. But um, yeah. He never did get a chance to do right. that. That didn't happen. Okay. Uh, did he, uh, what kind of conversations with this something that he just didn't realize? Or of course we know people that just are maybe ignoring things or he wasn't worried about it. How would you put it? Well, he's a guy. So <laughs> okay. that. All right. um, but I, I don't, you know, I don't think he was pricking his finger every so often to see how his levels were. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, he was just popping those diabetic pills. And, you know, when he disappeared, that was one of the things he left behind. And okay. so I, I did check the pharmacy to see um, if he, by chance he had refilled it somewhere. And they were, they were able to check their database. And they t told me that, no, it had not been refilled. Okay. Said, okay. Well, right. it was 
you know, something that was worth a shot. Right. And the thing about diabetes is that it can bring in so many issues, you know, yes. circulation issues, heart issues, overweight issues, all sorts of, all sorts of things. It's just one disease, but it can affect your entire body. So, right. uh, you know, that, you know, maybe it's just enough. So this is a concern. Uh, is this something that uh, genetic or once again, you, you tend to think it was because he was overweight or what do you think? Um, our mom struggled with it a little bit, uh, but she was overweight as well. And I don't, I don't think she had gotten to the point where she was having to take insulin, but she was having to take the oral medication as well. Okay. okay. So it probably does run in the family. Let's move on to this. Just speaking about your mother, something else that happened, I guess, not too long before he went missing, is that your mother did pass away. Uh, yes. When did this happen and how did Jamie uh, handle it? Um, that was in, uh, it was November 30th, 2016. And um, I don't think any of us kids took it well. Uh, it was just super hard on all of us. It was very unexpected. She awesome. uh, passed with congestive heart failure and pretty much passed in her sleep, which that was a blessing. But, um, you know, just even the day after her funeral, um, we knew that he had fallen back into his addiction after oh. being sober for a while. And, and we had even told him, <laughs> you know, when we were at the funeral home, and it was just us kids there at, you know, doing like a, a real short viewing before the funeral. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we talked frankly to him and said, I, I believe it was, well, it was all three of us girls. We told him, you know, Jamie, don't let this be an excuse for you to fall right. back into drugs. Right. And he's like, oh, I won't, I won't. But I tell you, uh, whenever I was headed back to Texas, I got a phone call and it was from my little brother and he's like, Jamie's here and he's saying somebody stole mom's car. And I'm like, what? <laughs> because we had given Jamie mom's car. He didn't have a car at the time. And when, when we got to the bottom of it, we found out that he had um, a meth induced hallucination and thought there was a bomb in the car. He bailed, the car was in the middle of the road, the doors were open, the engine was running, and he walked to, to mom's house where Daniel was staying at the time because he was cleaning it out. And um, so the car got towed, but you know, it's, it's like, yeah, I, I actually, through Messenger, I sent Jamie a few messages <laughs> and I was like, Jamie, mm -hmm. what are you doing? Stop it, don't, just don't do anymore. And then he, you know, said, I told you I didn't even want the car. And, and that was kind of the tone he would get whenever he was using. Yeah. He would kind of be not his usual self. You could just tell. And so, um, but it wasn't, well, he actually ended up being homeless for six months to a year's time after that. Wow. and had life pretty rough and yeah. um, we were kind of trying to step back and do tough love and you know as, as a sibling who really loves her brother that's not easy because no. you know you want that for your brother but we we knew that if we just swooped in and 
tried to fix everything, it wasn't going to fix the root of the problem. And so we're like, well, if he's got to hit rock bottom, you know, hopefully it's not too hard to crash. And he did eventually um, seek out uh, going to rehab, which was a good thing. And um, he would do better for a little while and he slipped back and he kind of went back and forth for a while after that. And then um, at one point, you know, and all during this, we're still in communication constantly. Like uh, he's liking our Facebook post or he's messaging us through Facebook or he's texting us or he's calling us or he's video chatting. So there was always something um, even when he was doing badly mm. and, you know, he would use somebody else's phone if his phone wasn't working or if he lost phone, would say, he would message me first and say, hey, Sean, this is Jamie. I'm fixing to call you. And so he would call and he'd be like, Sean, I'm starving. And I haven't had anything to eat in three days. Can you buy me a pizza and I'll just go pick it up? And to that kind of stuff, I will always say yes to you because I don't want my brother starved to death. And plus yeah. with his diabetes, you know, I'm just like, right. yeah, yeah, let me, let me call it in for you. Um, <clears throat> at one point he asked for me to rent him a hotel room. The first time I said no, because I just got to thinking about, well, if I do and, you know, he's, he gets in trouble and he has a meth hallucination and tears the room up, then I'm the one, you know, who's in charge. Yes. And so uh, at that time I said, I'm sorry, I don't have the money. And so like in the middle of summer, he asked me again and he said, I haven't had a shower in days. I stink to high heaven. And if you know my brother, he's like Mr. Hygienic. He's got a shower every day cleaning up his Q-tips like three times a day and, you know, brushing his teeth all the time and just very clean. And for him not to take a shower, that's a big deal for him. So I did um, rent him a hotel room that time because he told me, he's like, I need to wash my clothes. I'm like, well, how are you going to wash them? And he said, I'm just going to wash them in the tub with their soap. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, Mm -hmm. hey, you know, mom's... uh, backwoods training taught us something (laughs) so So how did all this how did all this get started how did he get into his addiction and when did this start being that you of course were older than him you kind of raised him you were cooking for him when did this all start i was already out of the house uh i think he was 12 whenever i went away to college and um so i wasn't there when it actually started And, and to be honest, I didn't even know when it did start because mom never shared that with me. Um, I didn't find out until just recently that um, it was in his later teen, early 20s that he started using. Um, And and actually, that's when our mother, she got into it as well. She got into it first. And then the boys followed suit. And so and, you know, they were young. So yeah. mom actually went to prison a couple of times for it. And um, the last time she was in prison, I wrote her a letter and I'm like, mom, 
you're 50 years old. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Stop it. Right. And she wrote me back and it wasn't very nice, but you know, um, and, and Jamie was actually in prison. He went to prison for, I, I believe it was for drugs during mm -hmm. one of the times when mom was in prison, because I've got letters from mom saying, Hey, your brother is saying you haven't written them. Would you please write them? So I, I, I actually have some of those letters still from Jamie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he'd be like, so, yeah, I got a letter from Nikki, but I haven't gotten one from you. <laughs> all right. So what you're saying is late teens, of course, uh, then he had been on and off an addict for a long time. Yeah, he had. Right. I, I think the thing that pulled him out of it probably for the longest period of time was when his daughter was born. And, mm -hmm. uh, but then when he lost custody of her, I think he lost hope and just, and then when mom died, he just slipped right back into it. But um, yeah. And, and, you know, he was in rehab when he met his wife, Anna through Facebook and mm -hmm. he was talking to her through messenger and they, uh, you know, started talking and he went to Texas where she was living to, uh, to be with her and uh, she insisted that he stay sober for a year and then she would marry him. Okay. So, <laughs> so that's how I met being that that's the next topic in our outline. So he meets uh, this woman, her name is Anna. What year was that? Approximately. That was uh, 2020. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So fair, very, very recently. So well after your mother died, yes. uh, they yes. met on Facebook. He goes to meet her. They start this relationship and, um, we're just going to talk about her in general terms right now. We'll talk about what, you know, the disappearance and what she had to say and everything later. But, okay. uh, did you meet her? Your, your opinion of her? Um, I did not actually meet her until after he was already gone. Okay. So, but, so the only, we weren't even friends on Facebook. The only, um, Jamie had messaged me to tell me, hey, I moved to Texas. I, I've got this new girlfriend. She's really sweet. I think you'll like her. Um, and she's beautiful. And I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And he was, Thanks. he was ex excited and telling me about a new job he had working at a, a butcher, uh, as a butcher, and he just loved it. All right. All right. So you didn't get to meet her until after he went missing. Did anybody else in your family get to meet her? Like once again, in person, face to face before he went missing. Um, my brother, Daniel met her. Uh, he had gone to Jamie's house to help work on a vehicle. And so, uh, he he met her then and he said jamie introduced them <clears throat> anna said hi and then he said she pretty much ran off and he didn't see her after that <laughs> so okay yeah he only saw her just you know just a minute or so and then she was mm -hmm. uh doing something else and then my sister nikki jamie actually brought anna to nikki's house and um nikki said she stood out on the porch and was just talking to them and had met her there. And she said, when they came up, Anna had on her sunglasses and she never did take off the sunglasses 
and and didn't have a whole lot to say. Um, Nikki's first impression was not very good because uh, she just didn't get a good vibe from her is what she says. Um, and, and, you know, Nikki has really good intuition. So, you know, I trusted her, but I'm not, but me, I'm the person who I believe the best in everybody (laughs) until proven wrong. And, um, so even though Nikki had said, I don't have a good vibe from her, I'm like, well, until I meet her, you know, I'm not going to pass any judgments. So, Yeah. yeah. All right, but uh, maybe surprisingly quick, maybe not surprising, you can say they actually got married, let's just say approximately a month before uh, he went missing. Uh, Your family surprised about them getting married? Was this a spur of the moment thing? What can you say about that? Um, I was surprised at just because he had messaged me the morning of, and I didn't have any actual warning of the actual date but other than that i knew that they were getting married so that part wasn't so much a surprise okay all right and uh, given maybe that one of your sisters uh nikki did not have a great impression of her were you a little worried about that or how did you feel Uh, not so much i figured jamie could probably handle himself and uh you know i mean he's a big boy if he if it you know, wasn't going to work. You could just leave is, you know, my, my thoughts on that. Yeah. And we have to remember, he's not like he's 20. Right. Right? He's a grown man. He already has a daughter. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he can, hopefully he can judge people's character, you know, himself after all those yeah. years. Right. Yeah. All right. So they're together. They get married in May and we'll come back to that later. Uh, maybe I just need also to ask you about this. Did quite a bit of moving around. You've already stated that um, you know, he'd been in jail a couple times and, you know, sometimes of course, people who get out of jail, their travel is restricted, maybe due to a parole officer or something like that. But from Arkansas to Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, you know, why was this? Um, well, he went from Arkansas to Texas to meet Anna and then stayed. And then while they were in Texas, um, they, you know, they decided to move to Oklahoma. Now, this is something that Anna told me much later, even you know, after Jamie disappeared, is that the reason that they moved is because um, Jamie had tried to choke her. And so um, huh. she said she had marks on her neck and a detective saw it. And he started questioning her about it, or he called her, is what she said, and was asking her questions. And so they picked up and moved to Oklahoma so that they couldn't be questioned. Um, I did talk with their landlord at the time, and she told me that, because I asked her if she knew the reason why they moved. And she had text from Anna and she told me that the, um, the text just stated that her mother was not doing well. And so they were moving due to that. But then they moved to Oklahoma. So um, she, the landlord felt like it might might have been that they were just having trouble paying the rent. Okay. Because I think Jamie had his job at that time. 
and and the landlord knew he had lost his job and so um they when they moved to Oklahoma they had had job opportunities there that they were um pursuing so and plus Anna has a uh she calls on her her son or her stepson um it's it's a son from a previous relationship and um they moved there and brought him into the home as well him and his uh little baby and so they were all four living together at that time so um mm-hmm. did Anna have it, a job it was, said, it was said that they moved there from Jamie they moved there to help out the son because he was not doing well and needed a little bit of financial assistance. So, you know, I'm hearing all kinds of different things. Okay. Did Anna have a job? Um, she usually works um, or has worked. And for a while she worked in healthcare uh, as a CNA. Um, when during the time Jamie disappeared, she was working at a convenience store. Um, I, I know that she worked um, at the Dollar Tree after Jamie disappeared. I think after Jamie disappeared, well, her mother passed away um, uh, October 31st of 2021. And I think at that point, she just was having so much you know, I mean, all of that's pretty heavy. You've got a, a husband who has disappeared and people are basically pointing fingers at you all over town. And then your mother passes away and she's your best friend. So she was, you know, understandably um, not doing well mentally. And okay. she ended up quitting her job and quitting school because she was going to school to be a physical therapist. And so she quit that and uh, pretty much just let everything go. Okay, after he went missing. Yeah. Okay, and uh, who, what was the living situation in Arkansas at the time of his disappearance? Who who was all under the same roof? Um, That would be Belinda, her mother, Larry, the brother, and his two children, Anna and Jamie and their dog. All right, so a lot of people under the same roof. Yes. All right, how, in your opinion, if you spoke to Jamie, that's a lot of people under one roof, a lot of kids, a lot of dynamics going on. Uh, overall, how was he doing, Get, dealing with all of that? Um, you know, he actually never talked about the living situation, ever. Hmm. Um, when, when we would talk, it would be about silly stuff like Bigfoot or, you know, just, crazy fun stuff. He never mentioned anything about, you know, how married life was going or anybody else in the house. He, he just never brought it up. Would you say that he avoided it? Did you try to ask about it or was it just something that never came up? It, it just never came up. Okay. So you never asked him about it and then he turned, he turned it around and wanted to talk about something else. No, I would ask him stuff about like his job or, you know, stuff like that. And, and just things about him in general. Okay. I, I think I did ask him once how married life was. And he said it was good. 
So, okay. you know, I don't, I don't want to be the meddlesome big sister. <laughs> no, no, it's not your job. He's not your child. Yeah. No, you know, he's, he's a grown man, but just in talking to him, just asking how he was doing. Yeah. 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 Okay. Just in general, how, you know, making sure he's doing okay, but without asking him, are you doing okay? Right. <laughs> All right. So it sounds to me, you know, Jamie has a lot of things going on. You know, he's had an addiction yeah. that off and on, off and on, off and on for several years. We have to remember he was in his 40s, correct? Right. When he went yeah, missing? he was 40, 47 when he disappeared. Right. So many, many years. He's newly married uh, to Anna. And now he is living with essentially her family. A lot of people under the same roof. We know that he has these uh, physical issues. Of course, have nothing to do with any of the relationships that he's having. But these are... Uh, brought on by himself or genetics or something. So he has a lot of things going on. Uh, you yeah. know, d when he disappeared, we have to remember this was June of just last year. This was just right. not even a year and a half ago. All right. A lot yeah. of things going on. And we'll get to maybe some of these people more specifically later. But all right. So moving up to June 9th, 2021, just want to make clear on this. What is the official story? We realize that People are maybe going to speculate maybe that some of these things aren't true, but then they can do that. But we're only going to talk about the official story. What do you know about the official story for June 9th of 2021? Just because you're saying it doesn't necessarily mean that you believe it. You just tell us what the, the official story is. Okay. Um, on June the 10th, Anna messaged me on Facebook and she said, or she asked me, have you heard from your brother? And I said, not lately, you know, not within the past week or so. Why? And she said, well, he's on another one of his vacations. And I'm like, what do you mean a vacation? And she said, well, you know, sometimes he just uh, decides, you know, he gets bored with life and he just decides to go on a vacation. And I'm like, uh, okay, so what? Did anything happen before? And she said that they had had an argument. The day before? Um, the day before? Yes, the day okay. before on June the 9th. And that he had, um, she had been called into work. And so he got angry at her when she told them that she would come in because they were both scheduled to be off that day. And so, um, he he was looking forward to spending the day with her and got angry okay. and it ended up the fight escalated and it ended up that he was calling her all kinds of names and telling her you know what you did you know you're uh just running around and this and that and so she finally she was like look i've got to go into work and she said she went in Okay. Um, the mother and the brother were there during the time that that fight happened. Mm. And when she went into work, uh, it was about two 30 in the afternoon. She said that Jamie showed up a little bit later and he asked her, would it be okay if he just went back home? And she said, Jamie, I'm at work. I, you know, I don't have time for this. Just do whatever you want. And what uh, you're going to have to explain that go back home. What does that mean? Go back to where? Go back to the house where they were living at her mother's house. Okay. Um, so I, I guess 
when he went back, he ended up just throwing more clothes in the car from what she said her mother stated mm-hmm. and that he took $600 supposedly from her mother and, um, and left. Okay. And so uh, she did tell me that she had spent that day in Ozark driving around looking to see if she could find him and she, she didn't see any sign of him. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then when she got back home is when she messaged me. And so, uh, at that point I wasn't too concerned. I mean, I was, I was, you know, there, there was a little bit of, hmm. Sure. And so I did, and I, I messaged him a couple of days had gone by. I messaged him and I said, Hey, Janie, are you okay? You know? just wanting to know, you know, just, oh, you know, expecting a response. And um, I didn't get a response right away. And I had told her, I'm going to make just some Facebook posts and, you know, start asking if any of his friends have seen him. So I did that because there was a time uh, several years ago where I didn't hear from Jamie for a little while. And I made a Facebook post and I tagged him in it. And within minutes, one of his friends messaged me and he said, I didn't want to put this on Facebook for everybody to see, but I wanted you to know that Jamie's fine. He's actually, he's checked himself into rehab and that's why he's unavailable. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for coming out. And I even reached out to that particular guy and asked him, you know, hey, have you seen Jamie? Yeah, good idea. And then I started reaching out to all of his Facebook friends individually, you know, asking them. And a lot of them were wanting to know what was going on and, you know, hey, is there anything we can do to help? And I would just tell them, if you if you see or hear from him, just let me know. Mm. And to this day, nobody. Nobody's has, seen him. Yeah. I, we have had a couple of people who, who thought they might have seen him, um, but two of those people were people that hadn't seen him in a long time, but they thought that the person they saw resembled him. Yeah. And then um, his daughter's guardian thought she saw him from behind walking, um, but, you know, it, it that wasn't confirmed, so we, we can't really you know, say that that okay. was or wasn't. Yeah. Let me ask you some questions. So when she said on the, so she calls you on the 10th, actually, you actually talked to her on the phone. This isn't like messenger typing back and forth. You're actually yes. hearing her voice. No, no, she, this, this is, yeah, this is totally on messenger. Well, on messenger. She, so you're not hearing, you're not hearing Anna's voice. All right. So this no, is all on she, messenger. She specifically told me she did not want to, she did not like talking on the phone. She only wanted to talk through messenger. All right. So you still have those messages saved somewhere. This was only last year. You certainly have those messages saved, correct? I do. And I have actually turned them into law enforcement as well. All right. And I don't, you haven't sent them to me though, correct? No, I haven't, but I'm glad to. Yeah, please do. I'd like to, I'm not saying we're going to make them public, but I would certainly like to see them. Um, So when she said he went on quote unquote, one of his vacations for everybody watching, I'm putting the quote unquote little (laughs) fingers up. Um, 
what did that mean? Did, did Have you ever been able to decipher? Has she ever explained like further what that meant? Was that news to you? What did you think of when she said that? It was definitely news to me. I never knew of him to just go on quote unquote vacation. Mm -hmm. um, but what she said is that Jamie would start getting listless and bored and just tell her, hey, you know, this is like from when I, I guess when they lived in Oklahoma. Hey, I'm okay. going to Arkansas for a few days. And he would say, you know, uh, go see my daughter, go see my friends, just uh, whatever. And but she was telling me she was convinced that he was out messing around on her. And, you know, she even accused, said that he was out messing around with his daughter's mother. Well, his daughter's mother was in prison. So yeah. that wasn't happening. And, you know, I, I don't know. Jamie was doing during those times because I wasn't okay. aware of it. So, well, let me ask you this: you know, being that she, being that she she's bringing up the, these times before, however many times, or I, I, I once again, I don't know if I'm supposed to believe this or not, but she's saying it. So when she said she would, uh, he would go to see friends or his daughter, would she actually check into these things to see if they were true? Uh, I I've never heard that she had. Okay. All right. So she says that she calls you the next day. Hey, Jamie's on one of his quote unquote vacations. Uh, yeah, again, message. that was, uh, excuse me. <laughs> Vacation. Message. <laughs> yeah. Message. Message you saying this and you had never heard of this before. Had your siblings ever heard of this before? No, they hadn't. Okay. Not at all. All right. So she's saying this. Not sure what to make of that. She's the one saying it. I guess you have to believe it. And then you start reaching out to everybody who knew Jamie, who might run into him, even somebody who had helped you before regarding this, and nobody uh, had seen him. And so I guess they had two separate cars. She had a car, he had a car? Yes, that's correct. Okay. So, and the story is that after he goes to see her at her job, he goes home, throws some clothes in the car, take some money from her mother. They just happened to have $600 uh, lying around. We should all be so fortunate. And um, he takes off. That's yes. the story. Okay. Yes. And um, there were other people, like you said, her brother, her mother, there when they were had the original fight or ar argument, right. I should say, argument. Yes. Okay. Yes. So he takes off. You're looking for him. In through on uh, June 10th into June 11th, uh, when was a police report finally filed? Did you file it? Did she file it? You know, what what was the point at which you say, you know what, I'm going to have to get law enforcement involved to try to track him and the car now? Um, so the police report was not actually filed until after the car was found. Okay. All right. And, what date, and the uh, reason we'll get into that, I but just, just to give us a, an idea okay. of the date, and we'll go back to this, but what date was the car found? How, how long later? Uh, June 19th. Wow. It took 10, uh, nine, 10 days that long. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll get into how it was found, yeah. but once it was yeah. done, and I didn't file, please. I didn't file a police report because she was telling me that she felt like he was out partying and, you know, I was like, well, that probably isn't good. And 
you know, and, and I did reach out to him, but with no answer. So, right. So you're trying to reach him. Of course, he does not respond. She believes that, you know, he's cheating on her, even though they've been married for a month, they're living together. Um, kind, you know, with all those people under the roof, maybe hard to find, hard to find the time, but that's what she's saying. I'm not there. So she's saying these things that it very well may be, but maybe nine or 10 days, a little bit of a stretch. Uh, if he was cheating on or something, probably. Uh, so, uh, the car is found. We'll get into how it was found and everything, but the police, you finally filed a report. Yes. All right. And who did they talk? Yes. And who did they talk to? Um, they talked to you. Do they talk to Anna? Do they talk to her brother? They talk to their mother. What kind of work do the police do once all the paperwork is filled out? So when she filled out the police report, they talked to her, of course, initially. And then a few weeks later, they went by her house to give her more paperwork to uh, fill out. Um, I did hear that the brother was called in for questioning. He went in and they said he walked out. And of course, you know, he wasn't under arrest or anything. Mm -hmm. So they had to allow him to go. Um, they had Anna come in for questioning. And that, um, when Anna left from there, she had told me, she's like, I'm just getting a lawyer. They, they want to do a lie detector test. And I'm, you know, if, if they pursue this, I'm just getting a lawyer. And I do know that when they went by the house, that they also talked to the mother, but I don't know, she was not in good health. So I'm not sure, you know, how, um, how well of a questioning she got. Mm -hmm. But I do know that uh, when they went to the house, that there was her first or well, her supposedly her second boyfriend there. And um, I was told that All right, they wait, wait, we should jump, I need to jump in here for a second. How were you? How did you know that? Who told you that? Did Anna just tell you that she was going to get a lawyer or did somebody else tell you that she was going to get a lawyer? No, she told she told oh, me. She that. just told you that. Okay. Yes. All right. Yes. And how do you know that the brother went in and then was uh, left? Was he helpful or not? Was he forthcoming, I guess is the word or not? No, he got angry and he left. How do you know? How do you know that? So, uh, well, because the, uh, the chief told me that. All right. So you, this is information coming from the police. This is yes. some like rumor or something. This is coming from the horse's mouth. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And when you said, and I, about, thought, I mean, I thought that was very telling. In, well, we're not going to, we're not going to get it. Yeah. We're not, we're not oh, getting okay, it. I just want you to make sure <laughs> that we know where this information is coming from and you're just not making it up off the top of your head. Okay. Okay. All right. So we need to just know that this is coming from an official source when you start saying things like that. All right. Okay. So, and you said something about a boyfriend, the, the whose boyfriend? Anna's boyfriend. But she's married. She is married. She's still married. Okay. All um, right. So, yes. all right. So and, we'll just, that, we'll just leave, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. So, well, that actually came from the chief as well. Okay. So they're doing some questioning. They're talking to Anna makes sense uh, to the point where they want to do a polygraph. She wants to get a liar. I don't know what to think of that. And her, her brother goes down, he gets all ticked off. 
He storms out. So say the police. That's not uh, Sean talking here. That's not Sean. Something Sean's making up. That's what the police told her. And he goes off. The mother not going to be that helpful. But the perception is that when the police did go over to the house later, uh, I guess maybe later in June or in July of that. That would be July. July that uh, it seemed that Anna already had another guy in her life. There, once again, the police perception, that doesn't mean reality, but that was their perception. Right. Well, there's more to that. Okay, we'll get get into more later, but that was the police perception. That's what they're telling you. Yes. Okay. Um, All right. Now let's go to talking about the car and then we can talk about some searches that were done in the area. How was the car found? You you stated that it was found nine slash 10 days later. It's a pretty long time, unfortunately. Um, Where was it found? The significance of that area by who, you know, let's just talk about all that now. Okay. Um, So on June the 19th, Anna messaged me and she said, my boss's fiance just found the vehicle. Hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay. Is Jamie there with it? And she said, I don't know yet. Whenever I get off work, I'm going to go up there and and take a look. And so uh, her boss and her significant other took her up there after she got off work. And... um, Anna sent me pictures once she got there, and there was a picture uh, of the back window, and it showed that it had writing on the back, and it said, um, help me, he is near. Hmm. And then she sent me a picture of the inside through the window, and you could see that the seat was pulled all the way forward. And the seat was ripped um, kind of by where the gear shift is. And she said it was not like that before. Um, One of the windows was cracked just a little bit. The doors were locked. There was no sign of Jamie. Um, But the significance of where it was parked is that it was parked right across the street from where our mother lived uh, back in the 90s. Um, And she lived there for several years. And Bluff Hole is a place where she and the boys both all went uh, to, you know, it was like their local rural swimming hole. And so Jamie was very familiar with the Bluff Hole. And um, Anna had said that he had taken her there one time before. So um, after that, um, the next day is when she made the police report. And then the day after that is when they began the searches. Um, so they searched that general area around the car. They had cadaver dogs that they let loose first. And then um, they searched, uh, I believe they said a three mile radius. And um, they had some dive team that uh, searched the water because the, at that time there was some flooding in the area. So the bluff hole is this big creek like area um, that kind of makes a little pool and mm-hmm. apparently it gets really deep. 
when yeah. the water is high. Um, but it there, there's a creek, it's called Dry Creek, that when it floods, that dry creek is a running creek. And at that time, the water was high and it was running. Okay. So, you know, that's kind of been one of our concerns is did something happen that maybe he lost his footing and he yeah, fell. We're not gonna we're not gonna get into we're not gonna get into any okay. theorizing. We're just gonna say okay. <laughs> that uh, there was a creek nearby that your brother knew was there. And so if you can explain once again the searches and uh, did you go there to take part or were you have your own life to live? What were you doing? Well, at that time I did not take part in in the initial searches because they did a couple of searches in that general area. Um I we did my me and my husband and his family, we went there uh, to Arkansas and participated in a search after um, the last phone location was found in okay. a specific area. And so we went there and we participated in that search. Um, but they've had other searches and they don't always tell us when they're doing right. searches. Sure. In fact, the chief will call me after a search and say, mm -hmm. Uh, I know I told you I would call you to let you participate in another church, but we've already done it. So sorry. <laughs> mm -hmm. Be, uh, and, and that's okay because they're, they're hard. Yeah. Being that uh, your mother lived in that area, my guess is then you are very familiar with this area too. Um, I'm familiar with part of the area. I didn't live there or graduate from there. Oh, okay. I, I lived in a town that's further like 20 minutes or so. And okay. so I'm not really familiar with Boonville. I mean, I've become more familiar as time is going by. Even when mom lived there, I mean, we didn't, you know, go sightseeing or anything like that. So I didn't, wasn't that familiar with it. Okay. Um, being that you have been there, I'm going to be doing a map analysis video for this uh, disappearance that'll be on YouTube for everybody. But in general, being that you've been there, how would you explain the terrain? around that area, very woodsy, very open, somewhere in between, easy to search. What is your perception? It is very woodsy, very dense undergrowth, lots of rocks, like um, the creek area is very, um, so rocky, you can barely walk it. I mean, you, wow. if you get on the banks, you, you, can't, you ha can do it better. But I guess because the, all the soil is washed from that creek area, uh, if you try to walk down the creek bed, you're, you're going to twist an ankle for sure. Yeah. Okay. So, so we'd it, say not the easiest area to search. Let, you know, no. just saying that if we are to believe that he was the one, that Jamie was the one who put the car there, not an easy area to search. Right. Definitely not. Not at okay. all. Okay. And going back to how this car was found. So, it was the boss's fiance, Anna's boss's fiance. So the boss at the Dollar General store. Um, this was actually uh, the boss at the Jam Mart where she worked in Boonville. Okay. So the uh, the boss's fiance. Did the boss's fiance at that time know that Jamie was missing? Yes, they did. Right. They All knew right. he so, was missing. All right. So this person might be on a little heightened alert going through that area on the 19th 
comes across the vehicle. I realize you were not following this person around. Was this person going through this area every day? Uh, Would this have been an area yeah. that that person crossed where the car was found um, every day? Or was this just a unique circumstance? Do you know? He had a daughter who had passed away and was very close to that area. So he would go through that area. And he and Jamie were friends back from whenever they were youngsters. So he knew Jamie. Yeah. Um, and, and of course, you know, was concerned for him. Right. I, I haven't talked to him. Yeah, I guess what I'm saying um, is that are we being that he came across the car by accident? I'm happy he did. Um, yeah. Are we then to believe that the car wasn't there on the 18th or the 17th or the 16th? Or is it possible that it was and he just hadn't been through that area in those preceding days? It was. And in fact, I spoke to a lady who told me on June the 9th, she and her kids went to the bluff hole and Jamie's car was there because wow. they had to walk around it to get to the swim hole. Okay. All right. So then what we're saying is this guy just happened to be in the area. Uh, there is a cemetery there. That's where his daughter was buried. And he uh, just happened upon it. And he was the one who called yes. it in. And we can understand yeah. why the other people didn't call it in because it just popped out of nowhere. They could have, you know, Jamie could have been out in the woods somewhere for all they knew, uh, you know, yeah. doing hiking I, I or something. There's, yeah, there's hikers and, and people who swim down there. So there, you know, it's frequented by several people a day. Okay. Um, was the car what you would say hidden or was it in plain view? Would you just happen? Would you really, really have to be looking for it to see it? How would you explain it? Yeah, you would pretty much, you would definitely have to turn your head and look because mm. from the road, you're not going to see it very easily. Um, okay. you know, unless maybe the, if the sun was hitting just right, but uh, it's very woodsy through there. and you know, like I said, dense. And so um, unless you happen to be looking down that little driveway going to the bluff hole, you're not going to notice it. All right. So it was on a road. It was just a dirt road that the spot it was at was yeah. just not easily seen from the main road. It's more like a driveway. I mean, just you could tell that cars go in and out there mm -hmm. um, because it's still like like there's grass in the middle and it's just, you know, from the, okay. the sides are kind of worn away from where people have driven in and out, you know, okay. so there's not as much grass there. All right. So then is it your understanding? I know I'm being very technical because we have to be very important about this car situation. Is that then your opinion that probably many people went by his car over those days? Remember it's summer, it's Arkansas, kind of warm, Going down, yeah. going down the hole, is it then your impression probably that many people went by his car during those days and just never called it in, never thought anything unusual about it? Yeah, they, yeah. I had actually heard from several people since, you know, all of this has gone on that they had seen his car there. They just didn't think anything about it. And, you know, I mean, I guess maybe they thought somebody's car broke down and they'd be back yeah. later to get it. Sure. You know, Makes total like sense. That. But Makes people sense. in the area have let me know, yeah, we we saw a car there. We just, you know, it, it was there for over a week and we just didn't know 
know that there was anything to be concerned about. All right, that happens. All right, so I need to ask you this. You said, was the car locked? Yes, it was locked. All right, did you ever find the keys? And no keys. No keys. No keys. How, uh, did you get a, have to get a spare set? Did somebody slim jim it? How did you get into the car? Does that, do you uh, even, there do was you even not know? a spare set, but when the uh, police came and got it, or well, they brought the tow truck in uh, that first day of the search. They, the guy who was driving the tow truck, Slim Jim did to open it for Anna so that she could get in there and do whatever she needed to do. Okay. Now, my understanding is that you already said there was something ripped about a seat or something that Anna said had not been like that before. And by the way, what kind of car is this? It's a 2010 Chevy Equinox. Okay. Kind of an SUV slash, I don't know, passenger van, minivan type of thing, right? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, something it, look, like it that. looks like an SUV. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, now, I've read and we've talked about it that though there was something else that seemed to be a bigger deal that was wrong with the car, that it seemed that somebody had ripped out some of the electronics. Uh, I'm not expecting you to be a, a car technician or anything, but in layman's terms, how would you explain it? Well, my brother is a mechanic, so my other brother. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so I had him take a look at the pictures and, um, you know, the, the cables are off the battery. And he said, it's a component, uh, it's a black box component where it holds all the electronics for the car, including the GPS system, wow. which the car was not, did not have on star, but it right. was equipped for if supposedly if they right. wanted yeah. to have it. But uh, so that was removed and just kind of set on the top there. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a couple of other loose pieces, uh, nothing of significance. And uh nothing really missing as far as i could tell okay um, so in, in being and talking to your brother who is the expert in on this topic is it then his impression that this had to have been after the done after the car was parked there you could not drive the car with oh, yeah. these things disconnected it, yeah no you could you definitely could not drive it, it was, would not start without all these components okay i also understand and this is going to be a familiar story to all the unfound listeners that there was no processing of the vehicle. No, There's no fingerprints done, no checking for blood or anything like that. Right. And, you know, a, a lot of people point fingers at that for the police department. And it is a big deal, but they were being told that they believed by his wife that he was just out partying. Mm -hmm. So... But, you know, when they found his car abandoned, they thought, well, maybe he had a diabetic episode or heart attack or whatever. So that's why they decided to go ahead and start searching for him at that point. But they weren't at that time expecting there that there was any foul play. Okay. So they and we, and we, for the record, we, there, for record, we don't know if there was foul play or not. All I'm saying right. is even though the card sat there for 10 days, these things were ripped out and we're going to get to the thing, the message that was written on the car. They didn't do any processing of it. Right. All right. Not. So even if somebody else parked as some stranger, let's just say that he got carjacked, 
There was no processing done for any fingerprints or anything. Nope, nothing. Okay. Anything they else? They visually look to see if they saw any evidence of blood, yeah. like fresh blood, but yeah. other than that, no. Okay. Uh, what about those clothes that uh, the brother and the mother said he had thrown in there? Were they there? When, when, and it's strange because when Anna went there and took the pictures, she said all the clothes were in there. But when the police came and they took their pictures and they got the car back to her, she said most of the clothes were gone and all of the shoes were gone. So, um, okay. yeah. Okay. It's strange. All right. Not sure. Not sure what to make of that. Um, anything else unusual about the car? Um, so we got I the message that's... that we're going to talk about. We got things ripped out. We have clothes that maybe are not there. Were there? We have a rip in the seat, and you know, so certainly some things that certainly seem out of place. The car is locked, but there's no keys. Um, of course, there was search of the area, nothing of his. Um, well, some things, I guess, were found eventually in this search. Am I right about that? Yes. Uh, right. About 100 feet or so down the creek bed, they did find some of the things that had been in Jamie's wallet before, like his health card and some um, cards that he picked up at different businesses. Mm -hmm. um, and right by where the car was parked, there was things like sugar packets and a straw, a couple of straws and things, you know, just like, kind of like you would see out of a console. So um, yeah, there, there were several things found. In All right, but those things couldn't be connected to his car, but certainly things like the cards and everything could be connected to him. Yes, yes. I mean, the health card definitely had his name sure. on it. Sure. His wallet wasn't there, but that health card was. Okay. So when the searchers were done, they, of course, did not find him, but they did find right. things that certainly can be connected to him. Yes. Right. And, and would you say, in your opinion, that they uh, were these things spread out all like in every direction of the vehicle or only in one direction? In one direction. And this had to do with this creek that we've already talked about. Yes. Okay. All right. So I'm guessing they kind of tried to look in that, that direction. Of course, we know that nothing was found. Uh, what did happen to the car? Uh, they towed it back to Anna's house. And uh, I guess within a month or so, it, it got repossessed and mm. uh, went back to Florida where the lien holder was. And so it was out of our, mm -hmm. you know, possession at that time. And I had actually, when the car was still there, I had asked the chief if he could please just go by and fingerprint it. And he told me there really wasn't any sense in it because it had been two weeks. Yeah. And in two weeks time, there you know, could have been any number of people who had been in and out of that car. So fingerprinting it would not be admissible in court. So not worth their time. Nope, nope. They're not gonna do it when the car is found. It's not worth doing um okay uh anybody i have any idea on the last time that if we are to believe that he put the car there the last time he was even in that area and how far is this from where he lived um 
I believe it's about 12 miles from where they live, 10, 12. Um, so not close. And any yeah. idea the last time that he had been there? The last time he had been to the bluff hole? Yeah, to, to anywhere in that area at all. Anna said he had taken her there one time and I'm not, I never did ask her when that was. So I'm not really sure. Um, okay. He doesn't know a lot of people in that area. Okay. All right. So we just don't know. All right. We'll come back to that later. Uh, these words, this message that was on this car, I understand this, of course, at the time looked like something that was very, very important. But then I've learned that it was a hoax. Why don't you explain that? Yeah, when when I first saw it, that is actually what caused me to go. Something is not right here, mm -hmm. you know. So um, the young men that did, actually did us a favor. Um, so when the first news aired, it they talked about the the wording on the back window. And that caused, uh, it was four people and two guys and two girls. And went, uh, they actually went to the police and let them know that they were the ones who had done that. You know, they felt bad because, yeah. you know, it was looked, looked at being connected to James' case. Mm -hmm. But um, when the chief reached out to me, about after talking to them, he said that they were underage. So no, I couldn't talk to them. Um, that when they got there, they said the car was running and there was somebody in it. Huh. So I don't know if that was a misunderstanding because later, um, I did get to talk to, with one of the young men and he told me when they got there, they actually came in from the other side. They did not even see Jamie's car. And so, but when they were leaving, they came out the other way. And so Jamie's car was there. And he told me, he said, it looked like it had been sitting there a while. It was dusty on the outside and the inside. He said, we, we did try the doors and they were locked. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I kind of laughed about that, but um and he said they decided they thought it was probably just like a hiker hiking or something. And they decided yeah. to write on the back window. He said he wrote one part and his friend wrote the other part. Mm -hmm. And they were just laughing, thinking it was funny. Yeah. And so little did they know that that was, you know, part of a, a missing person's case. Just bad, and, bad yeah, choice, apologized. bad time. Yeah. yeah, he felt really bad. And you know, I, I asked them lots of questions and they were more than willing to answer any questions I had and, and really, really nice people. Mm -hmm. Did they though, they denied seeing anybody in the car? Yeah. When they went by, they said there was nobody in the car and I asked them, was the car running? And he said, no, he said, he said his, he or his friend one, I can't remember actually touched the hood to see if somebody had driven there recently. And he said it was cold to the touch. So did nobody tell, had, yeah. yeah. Did, you, did you tell yeah, them? I was just trying to see if somebody was going to come back soon. Right. And, you know, before on it. So did you tell him that the sheriff told you something or the, whoever it was, the police chief said something different? Yeah. 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 He knew, he knew. He knew that. So just so the listeners are clear, 
the people who did this, who put this, wrote this, these messages, you actually talked to one of them. They apologized. They admitted that they did it. Uh, my impression is they are not a suspects in your brother's disappearance at all. But they told you they never saw anybody in the car, but the sheriff or the police chief said they did. Yes, exactly. All right. And on top of that, the police chief told you that they were underage, but these people are over 18 years old. Yes. And, you know, in their defense, they do look young. I think when you get older, everybody mm -hmm. looks younger. But, I mean, these these people do look younger. But, I mean, this, this guy has a young child. So, um, he's he is in his early 20s. Okay. All right. And do we know that that did they do that on June 9th, June 10th? Did, did was this person able to say? Um, he may have given me a date, but he he did know it was right before he was uh, going to boot camp. Um, wow. And he may have given me a date, but I don't think he was exactly sure what the date was. Um, okay. I'll have to go back and look and, and see for sure. All right. I guess what you're saying is you didn't get to talk to him until well later, maybe July. Right. Oh goodness. It was, it was months later. It's months probably later. November, December, somewhere. Wow. In okay. No wonder he can't remember the exact day. All right. So this ended up being a dead end. This message being written on there it ended up being a totally a dead end, even though it seems there is a discrepancy between what the people who actually did it told you and what police told you. Yes. Okay. Yes. Moving on. Now there is a story out there. Um, of course, Jamie's disappearance is now up on the Charlie project. Uh, I have to admit, I was very happy that we could make that happen. Get, yes, thank uh, you. I, my, I was excited. Yeah. Through my assistant, Emily, and then my friend Megan over there at the Charlie project, long time friend, friend of like six years now. Uh, I, I was more than happy to talk to her about that. But in that in that biography on her page, it talks about how some friends said that Jamie was actually at their place, allegedly around June 12th. Where does this story come from? It because it doesn't seem to match in the timeline. The, you know what the what we've discussed up to this point. What can you say about that? Well, she she reached out to me to let me know that she was going to the gas station and the gas station was across from this particular hotel in the Ozark area. And while she was pumping gas, she saw Jamie over at the hotel and he waved at her and she waved at him and he walked over and started talking to her. And she said when she was talking to him, she could tell. He was upset, and so she invited him over for dinner. She had previously worked with him um, for quite a while at in Ozark, whenever he had lived in Ozark years ago. And so um, he came over to dinner with her and her husband and their child. And uh, after dinner, they were sitting around talking, and she asked him, "Are you okay? Because you you seem." sad. And she, she told me, she said, this is something you don't ever see with Jamie is sadness. And he said, well, you know, I just, we, my wife and I, we had an argument and um, I came home and saw that she had been, that she was high. 
And it upset him because she had insisted that he remained sober for the year before they got married. And he said, I was upset about that, you know, and then she was going to work the next day. And so I, um, uh, but this person is saying this all took place place on June 12th. Well, that's the thing is she didn't know exactly that date. I was trying to guesstimate and, and I was trying to help her get us an exact date because I was like, can you, you know, maybe find gas receipts or whatever? And she said, well, the thing is, I go to this particular gas station every day after I pick up my child from daycare to get him a snack. So it, I've got thousands of receipts from, from this gas station. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I was just trying to help her jog her memory, but she couldn't pinpoint an exact date. So, right. you know, after talking with people, we're not sure if, if okay. it was during this time or before all of this. Because once again, you certainly understand it. I understand it. I think the listeners understand that if somebody saw him in Ozark around June 12th, this certainly does put a hitch in the timeline that, of course, yeah. he could go missing on the 9th, but it seems like his car was already out there at the watering hole, like mm -hmm. the 9th or the 10th. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, have you ever mentioned this to Anna? Have you told her, you know, or this this friend that said oh. that he was over on the twelfth? Did does she have any insight into that? I did not ever mention it to her because of the simple fact of what was being said about her being high. I, mm -hmm. I just never wanted to confront her about that. And by the time I had found this out, our mine and Anna's relationship was getting a little more shaky. And I, I just, I did not want to go there. I, I didn't want to be pointing a finger and be accusatory towards her. Okay. Uh, regarding this alleged June 12th, uh, we understand that might not be the right date. And very well could be June 8, 7654321. We don't know. But uh, being that he was over there, are there could there be any other adults who were also there that might be able to corroborate or undermine this story, or is it just this one person who's telling you this? Uh, as far as I know, her husband was there. Um, I have not talked to him or had her talk to him. Um, she was very uh, nervous. Um, about all of the, uh, everything going on with Jamie's case. And so she, you know, did not, absolutely did not want her name mentioned for her family's safety. Yeah. And, and I understand that for sure. Um, yeah. But she backed off and hasn't spoken to me. Uh, I've tried reaching back out to her and she'll read my messages, but she will not respond. And okay. I don't know if that's out of fear or, or what. Don't know. I'm uh, not going to speculate. All we know is she said something one time and now she's not talking anymore. But we have the most important part. How long after his disappearance did you talk to her about this? Oh, it was several months. All right. So Probably once again. September, yeah. October. Yeah, several months. 
All right. So it's very, could be very easy to understand that it wasn't June 12th. It was actually June 2nd or something. Yes. It, it was before he actually went missing, but because uh, although our minds are great machines and everything, you start getting far away from a certain date and it yes. starts. Especially things... when you have small children and you don't yep. get much sleep. <laughs> yeah. So not sure what to make of that. I'm leaning toward this is not a thing but I'm not sure if there's any facts to necessarily say it, but it just, my experience, I'm not sure if we're supposed to believe this, especially when you put it with some of the other things we've already talked about. Let's move on to this. They did say that he had a phone and they did, I guess, ping it, even though he wasn't technically on a network. Uh, what, what came of that? Um, the phone has never been found. Uh, however, when the last phone location was done during an interview that was being done with Anna, uh, they did that through the iCloud phone location, and it led to a certain area that was actually on the river downstream from where they found the car. Wow. So, um, you know, we don't know if they did check, the chief did mm -hmm. check the flood maps and said that um, all of that area was flooded at that time. And so it's, it's possible, you know, maybe the phone lived for a little while. It was in the otter case and I don't know how good those things are, but you know, if it floated downstream and and because it eventually got in it or whether he was there and that was the last place he was but um because i know it's they're not exactly accurate in their exact location because yeah. i've done it That's on true. my own phone yeah. just to see yeah and it would be two or three blocks off you know so from mm -hmm. where i was actually sitting with my phone so um i know it's not totally accurate Okay. Is it your impression, given the searches, that there were searches done in this area where the phone pinged? Yes, because we participated in one of those searches. When they did the last phone location, um, the, the interviewers and Anna all went out to that area along with uh, law enforcement. And I'm not sure if the search team was involved in that search, but uh, they did just do like an initial search and um, it was already towards the end of the day. So, you know, it wasn't going to last very long. And then they scheduled for the more intense search for later. And we got to participate in that. Um, but during that initial search, Anna had a panic attack and ended up kind of sinking to the ground and couldn't go any further. And so, um, she had to be consoled by one of the interviewers. And, you know, and I understand, you know, if you, you hear, hear she is saying that Jamie's out partying and you're looking for a phone in an area that's very remote, yeah. <laughs> that is it's very concerning, you know, sure. whether that was the issue, I, I don't know. Okay. How far in your opinion was this ping from where the car was found? It is about five miles. Not close then. Right. Not close to walk. As the, especially... as the crow flies, it's yeah. probably closer. 
but when you're taking it by car, it's about five miles. Okay. So we have to believe if Jamie was walking, that sounds like some pretty tough terrain to walk that far. Five miles yeah. is long when, even when you're walking in a city street on a sidewalk in the woods or even along a country road, it's a little different. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the phone pinged as far as, as well as we can tell about five miles away, this area is searched. Of course, nothing was found. No phone was found. The only things that were found that could be connected to Jamie were much closer to the car, correct? The card, like right. you said, those other yes. things. Would you say that those cards or that card or whatever else there were, was that in the direction that the ping was, was it, where the phone eventually pinged or was it say, was it in the opposite direction? Your, your impression. Um, if you follow the dry Creek and it dumps, mm -hmm. uh, I believe it does into the river and right. um, that would be, you know, okay. correct. However, I'm not sure if dry Creek dumps into the Petty Jean river or blue mountain Lake. I, I would have to have a local tell me how that works there okay. because I, I really, I don't know. <laughs> All right. So we're not sure, right. Just talking here. I'm sure I'll be able to look at it and figure it out later, but uh, it very well could be that those items, the card and these other things were in the direction of where the phone pinged, but it could have been in a different direction. Right. Right. Okay. Let's move on to this. Uh, my understanding uh, is that there is a gun missing within this disappearance. Is that true? At least that's what Anna said. Did they have a gun? Did yes. you know well, Jamie I had mean, a gun? What? I never saw a gun, never heard of a gun until Anna brought it up and asked me, um her words were i hope nikki still has the gun and i was what gun? and she said i had gotten jamie a gun as a gift and he was very excited about it and he can't buy a gun himself right and so once she bought it for him she said he said that he was taking it to nikki for safekeeping your um, sister nikki your sister nikki to yes. be clear Yes. Okay. And I immediately contacted Nikki and said, did Jamie ever leave a gun with you? And she said, no, never. And I said, has Jamie ever talked about a gun? No, never. And so I let Anna know and she's like, oh, okay. So then the next time mm -hmm. that she went to the police station was actually a friend of ours had taken, um, her name's Karen, had taken Anna they went and searched the, the general area where the car was found. And then they drove, drove by the police station. And they both went in and uh, they were just talking with one of the officers there. And uh, in this conversation, Anna mentioned to the officer, the only thing that she knew of that was missing was the gun. Hmm. And so, um, of course, you know, besides some of the clothes, but yeah. um, and, and then Karen and this officer actually went and they spoke privately because Karen's son is a police officer for a, a different city. And so when they went and spoke privately, it caused um, Anna to get very upset and to the point where she and, and Karen got into a shouting match over messenger the all caps thing 
And um, Anna said some pretty ugly things to her. And, um, and what was the topic? Um, the topic was pretty much that, uh, how, how dare she go and, and talk with the officer without her and, okay. um, you know, just basically stuff like that and, okay. and stuff that Karen had confronted her about, you know, just asking her direct questions and Anna getting upset at these mm. questions that was being asked of her. And, and I can't really remember all the questions. That's that was way way back there. Mm -hmm. So just right after he went missing. Yeah, uh, that yeah, a year and a half ago. Now, of course, uh, you should know. Maybe you don't know this, Sean, but the average age of a disappearance we cover on Unfound is about twenty years old. So uh, mm -hmm. when you say way back a year and a half, that's like really, really in our world, that's really, really recent. So yeah. um, that's that's interesting. You know, I can't I can't even imagine what those people go through. I know. Because I know what we're going through in 20 years of this. I know. How do you live through that? You know, because it, it, it's draining on your, your health. Yes. So <laughs> what we're saying is this gun, it, it's, I guess, ex existed. It's not been found. Um, and it uh, doesn't sound like he gave it to anybody. Doesn't sound like anybody else has seen it. Uh, was he known to carry? Surely, certainly, he's not even supposed to have it, given that he's a, been a felon. No. But uh, did he actually carry it in his car? Do we know anything about his usual? You know, I, I I carry a gun here in Florida, so I know all about that. But uh, did he usually have it with him anyway, or do we even know anything about that? I I know nothing about that because I didn't even know he had a gun. All right. And, so just, and she had said she hadn't seen it in a couple of months herself. So um, okay. I don't know. Okay. So it's kind of ominous. We don't know what happened, but you, when you hear uh, a person who's gone missing, maybe in circumstances, general circumstances like this, and then you hear that a gun is also missing, obviously a lot of people. Uh, right. start and, and we did check all the local pawn shops in the area and, you know, just, uh, like um, just local for sale sites and stuff like that, just to see if, you know, something had come up, but sure. we didn't see anything at all. Yeah, and the tough part is that um, given that he was into drugs, that he could have mm -hmm. traded it for drugs, and those are not the type of people who are going to do the paperwork or anything else. Right, in fact, in, right. that, in that business, that's exactly what you want. You want more guns. So yeah. we have to, we must consider that. Okay. Right. We've talked about her quite a bit. I'm not sure what to make of it. Uh, you know, her, Anna, uh, but we're going to just talk to her about it a little bit. We're, we're not here to assassinate her character or anything like that. We don't know what happened, but we just have to state some, we have facts. And we'll go back to what the police said is when they showed up like a month later in July, their impression was that Anna had a new guy in her life. Have you, all I want to know is, have you ever specifically talked to her about that? Have any of your siblings ever asked Anna about this uh, guy in her life, how this happened? Um, for example, well, why are you doing this? Couldn't our brother come back tomorrow? You know, what's, have any of you ever had any conversation with Anna about that particular topic? That's all I'm interested in. 
we are not confrontational people. So no, we did not talk to her at all. But I, I will say that the chief did get Anna's phone and Jamie's old phone that was still connected to the iMessages and Facebook mm -hmm. and just took them in his possession for a few couple of days and went through them. And he did tell me he could tell where the relationship started through texting okay. uh, in July. All right. So it didn't start until July as far as he could tell. Right. All right. And we have to remember that as far as we can tell, that Jamie went missing on June 9th. Yes. So even maybe a month before that. Uh, do you have any idea how she even knows this guy or knew this guy? Maybe they're not even a couple anymore. I don't even know. But do you oh, know how they're they not a couple. They're not a couple anymore, but uh, they both live in the same town and it is a small town. And, you know, so. Um, okay. Oh, well, actually, she did say that she and her brother were doing a job because they do some uh, handyman work, construction and okay. stuff, and that he was helping them on a job. All right. So that's, that's how they how met. She, yeah. And this has happened after Jamie went missing. That is her story. Yes. Yes. Okay. Sounds conceivable. Okay. Let's move on to this. Now, what about, we have to remember, there are all these people living under the roof where Anna and Jamie were living. Her brother, his kids, their mother, lots of people under this one roof. But uh, her brother has a history. Is that correct? That is correct. It, it's a matter of public record, or I wouldn't even mention mm -hmm. it. I mean, anybody okay. could go look it up. Okay. But there, there is a kidnapping charge that where wow. he went to prison, and you know, I have found out details about that, but I, I won't go into it. Just okay. Um, All right. All we know is it's public record that he has that yes. particular felony. Does he have any yes. other felonies? Uh, that's the only felony that I know of. He is currently uh, another public record uh, about to go to court for uh, choking his wife and wow. attempting to run her and her friend over with the vehicle. Wow. Um, so, you know, there's those instances that are. Okay. You know, that's going through the Arkansas courts right now. Yes. And you've seen the paperwork. You've seen. You've been following this, I guess. Very closely. Yes. Okay. Um, All right. So actually, today is the fourth. He was supposed to have pretrial today. Okay. So we have this guy who's there. It's Anna's brother. He's under the same roof. He uh, was seemingly, allegedly, a party, a witness, a spectator to this argument between. Uh, Anna and Jamie on June 9th, correct? Yes. All he right. Was there, according okay. to Anna. All right. And had Jamie ever spoken to you or anybody you trust about having to live with this guy? Did Jamie ever have any problems with Anna's brother? Once again, anything, I don't want anything through the grapevine, but anything he ever brought up to you or anybody else you trust? He never did. He never brought up. Uh, Never. The brother or the mother, for that matter. Okay. Okay. Let's move on to this. Was 
the where they were living was it ever searched would did they ever go into the property did the police ever ask permission to go inside just kind of take a look at things around you know look around after for example after the car was discovered were they ever allowed to go on there and you know on the property and just kind of make sure that maybe something didn't happen there they did go in to give her paperwork they never did an actual search of the premise. Mm-hmm. Um, after the search that we did where the last phone location supposedly was, yeah, they took their um, cadaver dogs out there and not in the yard, but around the outside of the yard to see if they would hit on anything. And Anna actually did uh, message me about that and told me that that had happened. And I knew it was going to happen, mm-hmm. um, but they they did not go on the premise at all, except okay. for, to give her paperwork. Okay, let me ask you this, did, this, did the police ever specifically ask them to go onto the property and they said no? As far as I know, they never asked them. Okay. All right, so we can't blame them for if the place didn't get searched. It's certainly not because Anna or anybody else kept them from doing it. Right. Okay, all right. So not sure what to make of that. Uh, the, you know, the, the tough part about any disappearance like this is when we start talking about drugs and things, you're going to run into people with felonies. We have to talk about it, but we also have to realize that a lot of these people, although they have felonies, that doesn't mean they would ever, let's just put it out there, that doesn't mean they would ever kill anybody. But when you have things, you have family interactions and things get out of control, we know that sometimes there are unintended consequences. Let's move on to this. Being that we can't forget way back uh, early in this conversation that you said that it uh, there was this car that, that uh, Jamie was given, and then he claimed that somebody stole it. And then what really happened was that he abandoned it because he was hallucinating because he was on meth. I'm just going to ask you this. Looking at the car and how these things were all ripped up, did it occur to you when you saw this that could it be that he was having one of these hallucinations again? Did that occur to you? Did you think about that? Did you talk to your siblings about that? Can you say what that conversation was? Honestly, that was my first thought Mm -hmm. was that that had happened. Um, And, you know, in Messenger, Anna and I had actually talked about that. And I told her that... Um, Jamie had done that before and I mentioned our mother's car mm-hmm. and she said oh I, I know he okay. told me about that All right. so uh, I, I know that she knows as well that that had happened so um, it, it, mm-hmm. it it is something that we talked about as siblings um, but honestly <laughs> Knowing what we know, that car would have been a whole lot more torn up if Jamie had done that. Okay. I mean, well, let me ask you this then. The other car, what kind of car do you even remember? If you don't, that's fine. The other kind of car, what was the other car that he had abandoned? What kind of car was that? It was SUV as well. It was. Um, Okay. But I can't, I can't remember make or model. Okay. Um, Was it 
uh, was were things ripped out of it, like ripped out of this one, or is it kind of just he just ran away from it? Your your um, that one he just ran away from. However, there was another vehicle, uh, and I, I had a lady reach out to me after he disappeared, after she saw pictures of the car. Mm -hmm. And she said, I just want to tell you that your brother at one time was buying a car from me and he went on a bender and did something like that to that car, but it was literally ripped to shreds inside and out. Like there was, you know, everything was torn up on the inside and the everything that was able to be taken out easily was taken out and just tossed in the field this was very um it it wasn't it definitely wasn't that as bad as that kind of situation Mm. and um i've talked to my brother daniel about when jamie would be on the meth and would be hallucinating and he said that um, some people would say that Jamie was weird because he would like get under a table and be looking at papers and showing people, you know, kind of he would stick his head out from under the table and say, this, see, see this list of people here? These are all the people that are after me. Wow. And, you know, just... You know, so paranoia stuff. paranoia yeah and, and i've never done drugs so i've never experienced anything like that i don't know anything about it mm-hmm. you know so i have to get my story second <laughs> yeah okay me too i've but, never i don't i don't yeah. even as listeners know i don't even drink and i'm not 420 friendly any of that stuff okay so <laughs> we have to kind of put that all within the context of you know here we are with minds that are clear and we're trying to think of things in a logical way but here we have jamie who seems like a nice guy but he had an addiction and so it seems like we have things that are on the record that have nothing to do with his disappearance where he was not acting in a logical way he was seeing things in a totally different way the rest of us see him okay and what was he was his addiction occurring in june of 2021 um as of that time he was clean as far as i know uh, i do know that the friend um in ozark said she could tell he was clean because she knew him from before and his eyes was, were clear you know he except for the fact that he was sad she said that he looked very healthy and didn't have the look of anybody who had been using or was currently using right. so and my my brother Daniel knows Jamie very well in his addiction. And so I was showing him all the pictures that Anna had sent me of Jamie. And he said, Sean, I could tell you 100% for certain that in none of those pictures was he using. And, and he, he does this demonstration with his face and he like sucks his lower lip in and, and sucks his cheeks in and he said, when Jamie's using, it could be just one time, but his cheeks automatically get sunken in. He said, I don't know what it is about that, that makes it that way, but Jamie, you can tell when he's using. And he yes. said, in not one of those pictures was he using. There was the last picture, um, and Anna had even written on the picture, 
um, last picture taken of my boys and it was Jamie and his dog and they had a fruit roll up and the dog had one end and Jamie had the other end and they're I guess eating their way to the middle which is totally disgusting but anyway um Daniel looked at that picture and he said he wasn't using now was he using the day that day after the argument I do not know because I wasn't there so I can't say one way or the other but I do know up to the point of that picture, it, it was obvious, at least to Daniel and to the other friends that knew him and had seen him around town, that he was clean. Okay. We've talked about this. You've brought it up uh, just recently when I was telling you how old the average age of a disappearance is that we cover on Unfound. You've talked about how the last year and a half uh, has uh, been draining, uh, being that you've already talked about it for yourself. Can you explain, maybe Maybe can you talk for your other siblings and how they've handled the last year and a half? Um, it has been the most difficult thing I think we've ever, as a family, gone through. Um, you know, we each and every one of us, we were close to Jamie in our in our own special ways and in the same way, if that makes sense. Like we all felt like we were the closest to him. You, if you ask my sister, Nikki, she'll, she'll tell you, oh, I was closer to Jamie than any of them. If you talk to me, I'm as closer to Jamie than, and same with Daniel. <laughs> so it's, uh, he was just loved. So um, at first it was panic, like constant total panic for months, yeah. trying to yeah. find him while we felt like there may be something left to find. Um, and, and then after that, it, you know, it was really sinking in that he is really gone. And around the time that his daughter's birthday came and went, um, I think we were all basket cases for the, like the day before, the day of, and a few days after, just because that wasn't something that he would do is to not contact her, his daughter and, you know, wish her happy birthday or take her a present or take her out to eat. Um, so that was very uh, depressing. Yeah. Um, having to try to live a normal life when all you want to do is drop everything and go search for him. But you know, you can't because you've got a family and, you know, you've got to make ends meet. Right. And so you're stuck. <laughs> I can only take live. vacation time to go. Yeah. So, you know, it's, but I do what I can from here. I'm a state away. And, you know, so I do these interviews in the hopes that somebody out there that knows something will reach out to us and, you know, just give us some closure. And I know closure isn't going to be the end of our grief. We're, we're going to have to carry that with us, but it will just give us some answers and help us to um, to not have to spend every day talking to people and yeah. you know internet sleuthing and and all yeah. of this. So um, and, and I can say I cannot tell you how many times I have said I think I need to go see a therapist. Yeah, <laughs> because sure I get to the point where I'm like I cannot take another day of this yeah. and. But the next day I wake up and I have to, I have to take it. I have to go. I have to live and I have to keep looking for him. And I'm not going to stop until I find him because he meant the world to all of us. And, um, 
you know, if you're, if you're the peacemaker in a family and you're, you know, Joe on the go with the jokes and the laughing and, you know, you get us in a room and we're all laughing until our bellies hurt, you know, and, and Jamie is, you know, very witty and will have you rolling in the floor. So our meetings now are a lot more somber. We don't laugh as much. Um, it's a heavy, heavy weight to bear. And I, and I can speak for my siblings. My, my little brother, Daniel, told me <clears throat> just this morning that he is going to seek mental health because he is not doing well with it. He is on around the time of Jamie's birthday, back October 25th, he was having a particularly hard day and he said, I snapped. I snapped at a guy and we nearly, you know, got in a fist fight. And he's like, I can't, I can't be doing that. I have to find a way to cope with this. Yes. And, you know, Daniel's had his own addiction problems and he's not wanting to go back into the, the drugs because he's seeing what the drug scene has caused us. Mm. You know, you know, he, he was in prison for, well, during the time that Jamie disappeared. And he wasn't really having to deal with it. But now that he's out, all these people who know Daniel and know Jamie, they're trying to go to Daniel and they want to talk about it. And he's like, I, I don't want to deal with this. Mm -hmm. So in my sister, Nikki, I mean, she's going through a whole lot right now anyway, but um, you put Jamie's disappearance in there and, you know, she lives there. And so Jamie would go by her house and call her on the phone and pick up the phone and say, Hey, Nikki, I need a ride. If you didn't have a vehicle. Um, so it's super, super hard on her. And, um, yeah, it, it's, I think that's why I'm able to pick up the torch and carry it is because I am a state away. And so while Jamie and I were still close and we still talked all the time, I wasn't seeing him, you know, once a week or whatever. And so um, I think that's the only reason I'm able to do it. They're, they're more like, they can't, it's just, it's too heavy. It's too hard. And we, we hope one day we'll find him. I don't want this to go for 20 years. Yeah. I can't imagine being 64 years old and still having to do yeah. live interviews. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a website, Facebook page, anything like that set up for Jamie's disappearance? If so, why don't you tell the listeners and viewers about it right now? Yes, it is James and in parentheses, Jamie, or uh, quotations, Jamie Valdez missing. And, or they could go to my Facebook page, Sean Claiborne, and there's, there's a link on my, my page to get to Jamie's page. And do you or somebody in your family, does someone in, in your family actually run that page? Um, I, I do the most part of the work. Uh, I try to make posts a lot and then I, you know, answer questions as they come up and um, we, right. we did have an advocate who was, who actually made the page for us. Okay. Um, but she's moved and life has kind of gotten in the way. So she's not as available. So I've kind of taken it over and, um, okay. and I try to encourage people, even though the details you may know may be terrible, 
we still want to hear them because we we just need this to be over with already. And you know, we've we've heard so many rumors that yeah, uh, there's nothing that anybody could tell us at this point that could right. you know be any worse than what we've already heard. So just tell us what you know. <laughs> All right. So what I'm saying is somebody contacts the Facebook page, they will get a response from you. It'll actually be you, somebody in Jamie's family. Yes. Yes. Okay. okay uh, probably 9.9 .9 times out of 10, I will be the okay. one responding. Okay. Sean, any final words before we complete this interview? Well, I appreciate you uh, doing this for us. Definitely. That's a okay. godsend for us. Very kind. Um, and, and I just want to say, if anybody knows anything, and it could be something small, just, you know, and it, it doesn't matter how many times we've heard it, you may say it in a way that maybe you know something and somebody has said it in a different way. So every tip has significance, and we want to hear everything. So I just want to encourage everybody to if, if they know something, reach out to us and to pray for us because this is super hard. Okay. Sean, thank you for being on this episode of Unfound. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. And that was my November 4th, 2022 interview with Sean Claiborne, sister of Jamie Valdez. I thank her for appearing on both audio and video for this episode. Two important items. Number one, I made a video showing where Jamie's car was found and the surrounding area. You can find that video on the Unfound podcast channel on YouTube. And number two, Sean sent me a bunch of pictures and maps and video that I posted on the Jamie Valdez page on our website theunfoundpodcast.com. You can, for example, see the electronics that had been damaged due to someone, possibly Jamie, ripping them out. My insight into Jamie's disappearance is that if his car had been found in a random place, far away from where anybody would have ever looked for it, for example, like where Milda McQuillan's car was found, then I think we would believe the most likely scenario is that given the argument with his wife, with his ongoing diabetic issues, with possibly falling back into his meth habit, and put that together with a prior story regarding the abandoning of a car, that all of it added up to Jamie not wanting to be alive anymore, or even that he might not have known where he was going just driving around until he stopped somewhere. The issues that get in the way of that thinking are two prominent ones. Number one, the car wasn't hidden. Whether you believe there is a conspiratorial angle to this case or not, the car ended up in a spot where several people saw it over that week. So if Jamie really was looking to commit suicide, why leave the car in such a high-profile place? And if somebody killed Jamie, why leave the car where people could see it? And number two, that the car was where it was shows that if Jamie put it there, that he certainly had all of his senses. Really, what are the odds that Jamie didn't comprehend where he was going, but just happened to leave the car near where he grew up? Yeah, the odds aren't very high. Then what complicates all of this 
is even if we are to believe the very straightforward theory that Jamie put the car there and walked off, we get into a situation like we had with David Hardy Jr. and Jason Landry, where physical issues would have limited how far they could go. Same way with Jamie, overweight and diabetic. How far could he have gone in those woods? You wouldn't think very far. Yet, here we are talking about him as a missing person. Or the searches simply missed him, which is more possible than searchers and dog teams and police will ever admit. I think what I'm saying is we are all still working toward a complete understanding of this type of disappearance, especially if foul play must be considered. We still haven't crossed that fine line. I'll leave the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. Right now, while you are in your podcast platform, Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, wherever, give Unfound a five-star review, a thumbs up, whatever that platform allows. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel, and you've just finished this episode of Unfound.